G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Awesome privilege getting Steve Beaton on the show on SCNZ's Avioki. Brought to you by the Dart Depot. The Dart Depot, your one-stop shop. For all things darts and queue, visit thedartdepot.co.nz. What a good man Steve Beaton is. Oh, what a good talk. What a good yarn. And he was so fun too. I reckon he'd come to New Zealand, mate. People would love him. Maybe we should, uh, I don't know, he might be a bit expensive for an exhibition over here. Oh, hashtag bring over the Adonis. Someone the bronze Adonis. The bronze Adonis, mate. He held himself so well. I'm stoked for him. 32 in a row, mate. Legend. It's kind of scary, eh, when you think of like in terms of sporting streaks. Yeah, thirty-two years doing something like qualifying every year, and it's no no easy feat as well. In any just, sport, exactly. And you, you kind of think it's just incredible. You know, the fact that he's still going and he's probably still gonna have a couple more in him. <laughs> Fifty miles a week he bikes. I don't even bike cool one. Story. <laughs> <laughs> one kilometer. Uh, it's a bit, I feel a bit embarrassed, eh? Like in terms of like what he does to keep fit, and I look at what I do, and I'm like, oh. man, you're 26, mate. I know, but I've got like bad joints, and yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, he's probably more 26, and I'm probably more 54, and based on my personality as well. So you know, that, that kind of sums it up. The old, old man that I am. That was cold. Oh, oh but mate, we're, we're nearly all done here on uh, SNZ at the Oki. It's been great. Uh, doing this all again every fortnight but uh two weeks time on the 28th with the last one last, before you jet off last one for me at the hockey on the radio for 2022 oh, i'll get you on i think i think uh we're trying to work on doing a, a bit of a special at some Ooh. stage so we might Ooh. have to grab you on with that yeah you might have to have a yarn when i'm over there should kind of tear up around the same time maybe well yes, i am your should. remember i am your media manager Oh, yeah. Well, you haven't done much well for me, mate. I'm not getting paid, bring, bring, you on the radio. Paid, bring, mate. bring you on the radio every fortnight. Oh, I still haven't got a check yet, mate. Cheap ass. Oh, well, that's, that's, that, that's completely out of my power. Oh, that's mate, above my cool, pay grade. One more show, and then I'm off to the big dance, mate. Hopefully. I don't know when they do the draw, mate, but it'll be cool to know by the show. Maybe put a, put a word out there. Oh, should I, I just had Dave Allen from the PDC message me. Should I say, mate, can you do the draw mate, when we're on air? How good was like, that? And we, can just, we can just grab the stream and just do it. Let's do it, man. Instant reaction. Let us have the balls and, and the thing, and I'll pull out names that we want to see play each other. See, just Matt, Matt Porter, was, I think, was dropped one for when they are doing the draw for the Grand Slam. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Controversial, mate. <laughs> Yeah, but um, nah, I can't. I can't say that. I was gonna say match fixing, but it's definitely not. Oh not my God. <laughs> Oops, Ooh. my mic's on. <laughs> but every day, is your excitement levels just getting more and more? Yeah, getting excited, especially the way I'm throwing too. You know, like I'm not trying to like build myself up or anything like that, bro. But I just feel like something special is gonna happen. And yeah, I don't wanna get too excited because you did get too excited, you just fall apart. So. Just uh, trust the process, trust my ability, and um, try and shock the world as I always try and do. No, that's a good way to be, and we'll get your uh, full reaction. You might have to come in with your suitcase. Well, full of money. Oh, no, no, <laughs> you can come with your suitcase full of money if you ask me. Because, you, like, you know, you might just do the show and then just, then just jet off. And... Shoot away. Jump on my jet. Yeah. Matt Porter sent me over. 
Well, we can just take a boat. <laughs> get there, eh? Get there in 2024. Nah, but that's all the time we got here on At The Oki. Ben Francis and Ben Rob talking all things darts. Special thanks to the Dart Depot that sponsors the show and Ben Rob. Darts, dartboards, lighting and more. The Dart Depot will be back in two weeks. Uh, ben Robb's last show before he jets off to London for the World Champs. We are excited. It is about one month away. Come on, the big rig. Oh, let's go. It's just gone on 10 o'clock here on SENZ's Extra Time with Ben Francis. We are taking you through until 11 o'clock tonight. So if you want to jump on the phone, 0800 150 811, or you can text through on 8833. Whatever you want to talk about, we can cover it. Uh, of course, the Black Ferns getting up uh, over England in that final to uh, claim the trophy. If you haven't had the chance to have your say on uh, the Ferns, you can more than well do that. Or if you want to talk a bit about uh, the All Blacks getting up over Scotland and what changes they have to make uh, for England this coming weekend you can also discuss that uh, hinted to Graham earlier if he's listening uh, come on defend Richie Mwanga because he's probably going to be the preferred 10 I reckon this is my opinion anyway uh, and anything else you want to cover whether it's the Kiwis uh, getting eliminated from the World Cup or even Samoa reaching the final of the Rugby League World Cup I don't think many people uh, saw that one coming but Let's talk some football now, and the World Cup gets underway in a week. 5 a.m., Monday 21st of November, Qatar against Ecuador to open the tournament. Uh, then That's not a very good, that's not a very good uh, curtain raiser, is it, or, or opening game? Qatar, Ecuador, you into it? Uh, no, probably not. It's not one I will probably get up early and watch. It's a shame because usually the opening game of World Cup is a cracker. You know, the host nation takes on a, a big dog. But uh, Ecuador haven't been that good. I'm not sure if you watched much of the uh, South American qualifiers in the lead-up, but they're pretty average team, Ben. Well, the on- only team you could realistically say that would be a good matchup would be the Dutch. But I guess if you played the Dutch, then they might... Steamroll you. Yeah, which is not what you really want for your host nation as well. So it's... Uh, I mean, if that's what they want, as uh, as a Netflix kind of documentary series are saying, it's the corrupt World Cup, so believe what you want to believe. But, uh, yeah, that gets underway next week, and uh, it's it's a bit of an odd one. So many players are going to be missing because of injuries, uh, not from just Premier League players, but leagues all around the world. Uh, so some of these countries are not going to be full strength, uh, and picking a winner right now, too, is going to be very... Uh, challenging. Yeah, it's uh, th- there's so much talent um, at this World Cup, even with all these injuries. Um, what's even crazier that I think people are discounting is the conditions. Uh, they say it's going to be air-conditioned, but we don't have much proof of that. Um, it's in the middle of the desert, which is still pretty hot uh, in winter. Um, and, you know, the South American teams, I think they're going to be a good chance. Um just conditions-wise. I mean, you look at the the 2010 um, World Cup, 2014. I know Spain won them, but uh, Spain's pretty warm too, actually. But uh, I know Spain won them, but a lot of those South American teams went pretty deep in those World Cups. England didn't do very well in either of those under hot conditions in South Africa and Brazil. I've never been to that part of the world, but I have been told that 
you don't really want to step outside when it's hot because oh, no, I've I've been to that part of the world and you like just you're running between malls, you're running between uh, food courts or stores. You do you buy things you didn't want to buy because you end up in a mall, just naturally. It's a very expensive holiday going to Dubai or or Doha. Uh, even more expensive. I don't know if you saw this, Ben. The beers at the World Cup, hundred and eighty dollars a pint, Australian apparently. Crikey! Yeah. Uh, Davis texts through on, on double A double three. Hi Ben, who do you think will win the FIFA World Cup? <laughs> Crikey, who do I think is going to win the World Cup? Uh, put it this way, it's not coming home this year, unfortunately. Um, so that narrows that narrows it down to thirty one. Qatar's <laughs> not going to win it, so that's thirty. Uh, I mean, if I was a betting man right now, I well, I think France have to be probably the favourites, but. I don't know. I kind of have a feeling this is going to be like Argentina's time. That's interesting you say that because I have put money on Argentina at the start of the year. Um, so I'm hoping that comes through. But they're um, they're an excellent side. I think they have flown under everyone's radar just because of the star power that Brazil has. And Brazil won um, the, the South American Cup. Um, I forget what it's called. It's the equivalent of the Euros. Um but Argentina have a really, really balanced squad, led by, of course, Lionel Messi. But uh, their their wing backs, in particular, um, are, they're very quick. They're very, very nippy. Good curling crosses on them, Ben. So uh, I'm excited to watch them. I do think, though, I can't remember exactly how the draw plays out. But I think Argentina um, has to verse, could potentially be versing someone like um, Netherlands in the quarters, and then they have a really tough semi-final potentially against France if everything goes to plan but I'll have to look it up um, but yeah look by the time you get to the semis you got no easy games do you Ben? Oh exactly no if you're, you're there you're you're totally there on merit and Argentina are second favourites of the TAB paying $6.50 Brazil at 5 France paying $7 wow uh, Spain at 8 England at 9 and then uh, every, everyone else is over 10s uh, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Iran, Costa Rica, Australia, all 501. Here's uh, a better question for you, Ben. Fire away. We we know who the favourites are. Uh, who do you think is the best underdog chance to take the World Cup? Ooh. Uh, I have to actually check to see what pool they're in because uh, I don't know what pool they're in off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know if it's underdog, but... I think Gareth Bale will be able to help Wales. They're actually in England's pool. Yeah, they are. England, Iran, USA. I thought I'm just going to get controversial here. I'm not sure England's going to get out of that pool Ooh. with the form they're on. Because Wales are good. USA have been terrible. But people shouldn't sleep on Iran. They have one of the best defensive units um, at the World Cup, actually, um, in the Asia Cup. They just play defense. very Jose Mourinho-esque. Um, oh, just a text from Dave, Croatia. Uh, see, I love I love Croatia, but you know when they talk about golden generations in football, their golden generation sort of peaked in 2018. A lot of them are quite old. Um, they haven't had a lot of young talent come through, like Dejan Lovren is still starting centre-back. Um, Luka Modric, of course, the man doesn't age in midfield. But um, there hasn't been that next generation being ushered in. So... It's not a bad shout, not a bad shout. I'm just not sure it'll play, it'll pan out for them. Well, the other country I'm really interested to see, uh, and they're actually in the same pool as Croatia, is Canada, because mm. uh, 
Canada, they kind of came from nowhere in terms of qualifying because I think it had been quite a while um, since they had qualified for a World Cup, but they did so well in the qualifying. Of course, you've got Alfonso Davies uh, there as well. So I think that I'm, I'm very curious to see how they go. So I guess, I guess if you wanted to pick in terms of those, I guess those would be the two, Canada, Wales, uh, would probably be where I'm leaning. Uh, Michael has also texted through on double eight double three. He's recording the World Cup on his MySky. Very good idea. Love it. Uh, I think you probably able to get highlights packages as well. So I'm probably gonna be a bit of a, a tight ass and <laughs> just watch those and yeah, be like, oh yeah, I saw the whole game. Uh, and Michael also said, see how the Australian team go, and that's going to be a bit of an interesting one. Australia, very tough group in there. Um, I'm very curious to see. Uh, how Harry Suter goes, the massive centre-back, uh, Scottish-born, qualifies through his, uh, I think he's got a bit of Australian heritage, of course, um, and he's been injured, but he got names. So I'm very curious to see how he goes, and I know there was a bit of, uh, not controversy, but few people quite disappointed with some of the selections in the team too. So mm. but it's a very tough group, though. So we'll see how that goes, but... Uh, we're approaching 10 minutes past 10 here on SCNZ's Extra Time, and it's a bit of a brief look over the, the World Cup a week out. Uh, but we want to talk about a Premier League after the break, I think, because, of course, with the World Cup being at this time of year, of course, it's usually on during the off-season, of course, in football, but this year it's not. So they've taken a bit of a break, not just Premier League, but everywhere. It's taken a break. I actually haven't checked to see if my beloved Bradford City are on a break. Is uh, this you trying to me to take a break? Is this? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm, I'm building it up. Uh, but now I want to check to see if Bradford City uh, League Two has a break because I actually I'm pretty sure they probably do, but I just haven't been paying much attention. Uh, oh, they got no, they, they don't really actually. They keep playing. Uh, no, I think oh, they, so they go a bit later. So there is a break, but it's not as long. So. They have a game next weekend, and then they have like a EFL Cup game, and then there's a like a ten day break, and then they get back into the league. Mm. Um, but oh, it's, just, it's just good to know. I like them to know. But anyways, after the break here, it's now eleven minutes after ten here on SNS Extra Time. We're gonna have a quick uh, skim over the Premier League and kind of do. It's not necessarily mid season awards, but it kind of is because they nearly played half the games. But we kind of just want to run through the big surprises, the disappointments, uh, make those predictions as well to see who's going down, who's going to challenge Arsenal, Manchester City at the top, all that and more coming up after the break here on Extra Time. 16 minutes after 10 here on SENZ's Extra Time. Michael was sent through another text, says, uh, talking about the football ferns ahead of the World Cup next year. Of course, they are playing... I think they're playing tomorrow against South Korea. Uh, but, of course, that World Cup is going to be massive here, co-hosting with Australia. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm seeing some of those countries down here. Of course, New Zealand drawn uh, with Norway. Uh, it's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, Philippines and Switzerland. Uh, so, yeah, really, really looking forward to that World Cup here uh, next year. I think it starts in towards the end of July, but we are talking Premier League football here on Extra Time. Uh, of course, the season taking a break uh, due to the World Cup, which of course is scheduled at this time of year. 
which is, never happens, but it is, and we're here. Uh, we kind of just want to do a bit of a mid-season review. Lots of managers have come and gone. Uh, lots of managers have changed clubs. Uh, lots of surprise, I guess, is probably the best way to <laughs> sum up the Premier League table. I know if you told me this is how it was going to be looking, I would have been like, what? Uh, but Naveet, the question I want to ask you, mate, is if I told you at the start of the season Arsenal would be top of the table, equal best defence in the league, uh, second most goals scored, only have one loss, 12 wins, five oh. points clear at the top of the table. Oh, mate, I would have laughed, in all honesty. I would have laughed, um, especially for, for two reasons. One is that they're, I believe they're the youngest team in the Premier League. Yeah, I have seen that. So they've, they're on an accelerated pathway to success. And after Man City got early in Haaland, or, um, you know, who would have thought? Who would have thought it would be Arsenal leading the, the, the table uh, come Christmas time, which is usually uh, go, usually go on to be the winners? Yeah, exactly. That is usually the case. Arsenal with that five-point lead over City, they've only dropped that one game, this, or they lost the one game, I should say. They had one draw in there too. But, yeah, as you said, if they... I wouldn't have picked them to be at the top of the table. I might have thought they would have been maybe on the cusp of the top four. Mm. Uh, and the top four, I think, has been a little generous. Uh, but they had that game against Manchester City postponed, Uh they beat Liverpool. Well, but Liverpool have been... Don't talk about it. <laughs> you have to get your Liverpool shirt on, don't you? Um, yeah, they beat Liverpool. They've had that game against Man City postponed, so they're still going to play City twice mm-hmm. uh, in this... Oh, that's going to have a finals feel about it, isn't it? Oh, it will do, because uh, that it could be a six-point swing, and that could be the difference that puts City on top of the table, mm-hmm. who are currently second. Uh, they have two losses and two draws from their 14 games, but their two losses have come in the last five. Uh, you could probably say that's probably just due to down to uh, this jam-packed schedule where all these big teams have been playing two two times a week. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's it's too many games, to be honest. And you know how I feel for, Ben? I feel for the the second-tier teams that don't have quite have the squad depth to rotate. You know, if you're in the Champions League, if you're playing in Europe, you go out and you buy players so you can rotate for three games a week. But, like, your Crystal Palaces, your Nottingham Forest, although Nottingham Forest did spend big, that's probably a bad example, but your Bournemouths, they don't have the personnel. Um, they're probably relishing the, the opportunity, but it's it's too, it's too many games, and we've seen that translate to a lot of injuries in the lead-up to the World Cup. Exactly, and I guess the other team who if you'd said at the top of the season would be where they are in third place, Newcastle United. If you told me that, you probably <laughs> another one you'd have probably laughed at. Uh, they've had played one more game uh, than the two at the top, uh, but they have 30 points, eight wins, six draws, and a loss. Uh, but without a real quote-unquote world superstar mm. player dominant personnel figure thing, to be third at this time of year is very impressive. Yeah, I just want to credit two people. Uh, Eddie Howe, the manager, has done a phenomenal job to to build a cohesive unit. And two, the Saudi Arabians. Um, <laughs> they just injected life into Newcastle probably for the first time since 1996, I want to say. Um, and, you know, 
politics aside, it is it is kind of nice to see another team challenging because now of instead of your big six clubs, you've got you've got some really really awesome talent up there. Because not only is Newcastle playing well, but Brighton are playing well. Fulham are no slouch. So. You know, I think that it is it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for the league. Yeah, and we'll touch on those two teams very soon. But I think having a good goalkeeper as well is always beneficial. Mm. And Nick Pope's very solid. Yeah. Well, are we still talking about Newcastle? Yeah. I thought it was Burn. Oh no, sorry. Yes, you are right, Nick Pope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, he was at Burnley because they got relegated. So. Sorry. Yeah. No, well, it's that's the thing when some of these clubs get relegated, the the guys just go. Yeah. Um, because you got Kieran Trippier in there. He's playing sublime and. As I said, they haven't really got many world beaters in that mm-hmm. team compared when you look at your Man Cities or your Liverpools or your Tottenham's or whatever. But yeah, they've 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 built a unit and they've built it around Joe Linton in midfield. He's been special. But how good has Miguel Almiron been? I may have forgotten the goalkeeper, but Miguel Almiron has just rejuvenated after those Jack Grealish comments. Comments. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, that was. <laughs> look, I bet he'll be um, biting his tongue next time he's in front of media. But um. Uh, yeah, what is it like? Seven or eight goals now, Miggy's got in the last five weeks. You haven't got him in your fantasy team. You might want to reconsider. Mm, that's a good call, Ben. Uh, cool. we'll skip Tottenham. Uh, Don't want to talk about Tottenham. They're nah, just they're doing Spurs all but, over again. But you have to touch on Manchester United. Unfortunately, currently fifth, just ahead of Liverpool. I think um, I think Man United are doing as expected. If I'm being honest, um, I think that it's always tough when you come into a new. Uh, a new environment that demands success but hasn't had it for such a long period of time. And um, Ten Hag had a big job to do, and especially with Cristiano Ronaldo, who I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But um, you want to be building around younger players if you're building for the future. You know, Man United have tried this big spend tactic, and it has not paid It has not paid out for them. And I think they're doing as expected. They They were really good... Um, after he trialed Harry Maguire and Cristiano Ronaldo for the last time when they lost to Brighton 4-0, he trialed them and he said, nah, we're, we're playing all the young guns. And since then, they've they've been solid. Um, and I think any team under a new manager does really well. The real test comes after that honeymoon period. And they've done they've done okay. I think they're doing as expected. Um, I think the the battle for the the top four they'll be right and right in it come into the season. What do you reckon, Ben? Yeah, well, if they get rid of some of this cancer in their team, which we'll <laughs> touch on later, um, they definitely will be. But uh, you're a Liverpool man, sixth place, happy, sad, mad. Um, look, I think there's a. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on before the season about the seventh-year curse of Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> um, every team he's been at, whether it was Mainz or Dortmund in Germany, the seventh year his teams have fallen off a cliff. And, you know, when we started to lose, um, I was like, could it be happening again? Has he not learned his lesson? Um, so, yeah, in sum, um, I wouldn't say mad. Um, I've seen much worse from Liverpool. You know, come from generations of Liverpool supporters. And <laughs> look, I tell you what, I've seen some absolutely terrible, terrible players um, in that team. So it's not the worst. I'm not mad. I think I am sad. I would love to have been challenging for the title. I think that we have the squad for it. We have the manager for it. But um, what Liverpool is really missing is they have no one really in their prime. A lot. They have one of the, you know, we touched on Arsenal as one of the younger squads. Liverpool has one of the older squads in the Premier League. And um, they have a lot of young guns, 23 and under, and they also have a lot of old people, over 28. So um, 
I just think there's there's a lot of work to be done in the transfer window in January. Um, but then, of course, Ben, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm chatting away here, but uh, the takeover that might be happening, it's been put up for sale, so that's going to add another spanner into in the works. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on that one. Uh, just below Liverpool, got Brighton and Chelsea, which are very interesting mm. because, of course, Brighton's previous manager, Graham Potter, is now at Chelsea, and uh, Brighton have uh, Roberto Di Zabri. Uh I would say both are in a similar camp because both have gone through managerial changes and I'd probably say at the wrong time. And I say that because we just touched on the busy schedule at the moment and I feel like Graham Potter has probably had no time to actually work with his team because Mm. you're playing two games a week. How can you... How can you expect to do anything? And I think Brighton is a bit similar. They've got a new manager who's trying to play a bit more of an attacking style football and they're creating opportunities that it's not finding the back of the net, but it's just that adjustment period. It's uh, it's It was almost like at the wrong time, but uh, I'm glad to see Brighton up there. Uh, Chelsea are just struggling at the moment, but they've kind of got... I don't want to go as far to say misfits, but they've got lots of guys in there that just don't fit and they've got too many attackers and no other guys anywhere else. It's a bloated squad, eh? Um, it's, uh, I, I'm surprised by Chelsea. That's also one of the not biggest but bigger surprises that they haven't won a game in five. They are eighth in the league and they don't. They have, their goal difference is zero. They've scored 17 They've conceded 17. That's that surprises me. Um, you know, we, the manager managerial changes wouldn't have helped, but um, I just I would have expected better from them. They have quality all around the park. Um, I just thought they'd be they'd be a little bit higher than they are. Um, but you know, how do you think they can improve though, Ben? What's the do they need to sort of trim the fat in the summer, bring in some players that fit Graham Potter's style, or is it more? a question of Graham Potter having more time with his squad to really, really, I guess, instead of trimming the fat, chew the fat and just figure out what they need to do on the pitch. Well, I think that's probably been part of the issue is that he's been trying to use all his guys to try to figure out who he who is what is his best 11. But when you're playing two games a week uh, and you're not getting that crucial time on the training pitch, it's a, it's can be difficult. Uh, I was watching ESPN... FC earlier today and they had like a graphic up of in terms of all the players Chelsea have bought in over the last couple of years so this includes when they brought Timo Werner and Kai Havertz and you could literally go down the list and you could say how many of these guys have actually worked out and to be fair uh, to quote Scribe not many if any (laughs) Look, I, that's always been my association with Chelsea's since Scribe. Scribe, absolutely. <laughs> uh, both the pride of Christchurch. Um, no, I think that that uh, Chelsea. I've always had that association in my lifetime since Roman Abr- Abramovich took over. Is that they 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 spend big, and it's more of you know you just throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks. Um, they've always had these big purchases from Torres to Radamel Falcao. Um, uh, to even Aryan Robin at one stage, um, Nicholas and Nelka, who never really fit Oof. in. Um, you know, they they just kind of like they just kind of buy a lot of players, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. When it doesn't, they just ship them. 
I feel like misfits is appropriate here. Now, yeah, now that I think about it, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Ben. Um, it's a band of misfits, and I think that the new ownership has a lot of work to do. Um, and you know, you and I, fans of some American sports, and their new owner has promised to bring a ruthless efficiency of American um, sports to to Chelsea. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not one for Americanisms. Mm-hmm. I really don't I don't I'm not a fan of the use of the English language I don't like the uh, I'm just not I I I I'm like British I like British comedy I like British foods mm, okay. I like like I'm I'm very like down that road as opposed gotcha. to America so like when I hear things like that like trying to americanize football or soccer soccer it's um just not going to work in my opinion uh okay. oh, now I don't want to talk about Chelsea so uh, <laughs> uh, then you pretty much hit Fulham and Brentford who round out the top half of the table uh, Crystal Palace also there on 19 points uh, Aston Villa have picked up a couple of wins uh, under Unai Emery since he's come in following Steven Gerrard's sacking uh, and then after that well, we can pretty much throw Aston Villa in there as well it's pretty close there's only 5 points kind of separating 18th Nottingham Forest uh, which is that last relegation spot to Aston Villa uh, I said you got Villa there. Leicester City slowly coming back. Uh, Bournemouth incredibly hit and miss uh, because you know, they win some games and you're like, how the hell did they win that? And then they go and concede nine. Uh, Leeds United still slowly transitioning under Jesse Marsh and they've made quite a few changes to their squad this year. Uh, West Ham, a complete fall down from grace, but mm-hmm. I think that's probably expected. Everton under Frank Lampard, uh, not not convinced. I do like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, though, but he's been injured. Uh, and then you hit the bottom three, Nottingham Forest, who has spent big, um, even though they're struggling. Steve Cooper recently penned an extension. Uh, but similar, it's similar but different to the Chelsea and Brighton scenario. It's not necessarily that they've changed the managers at the wrong time. It's more the fact Nottingham Forest made so many changes to the squad. So you, so you have the manager who's trying to figure out his best side, and you've got... Like it's not like they bought them bad players. It's mm. just how do you make it all work? And when you have such a busy schedule, it's pretty hard. But hopefully during this break, I don't know how many players from Nottingham Forest got picked for World Cups. So hopefully Steve Cooper can work on his squad uh, and they can get out of that relegation zone. But then you got Southampton and Wolves, who I'd say uh, I'd feel pretty comfortable saying Wolves are going down. Um, Which is sad because they've been... It's been great to have a Portuguese side in the Premier League. <laughs> well, they've kind of been hanging on. Like they were very close. I want to say it was almost a bit like Burnley. So Burnley mm. a few years ago were on the cusp of European football, and then two years later they went down. Wolves were pretty much in that similar situation. They were pretty much on the cusp. Yep. I think did, when, didn't they play in the Europa League? I season? think they might have, yeah. yeah. So, and like, so they were doing good things, and just for whatever reason, it's just capitulated. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate, but that's just what football is. Is um, they really struggled to replace Nuno Espirito once he went to Spurs? Yeah, they really did. struggled since then. Um, and Raul Jimenez, he was out for a long time too. He was a very key player. But last year they didn't concede too many goals. It was more the fact they were struggling to score. While well, this year they're conceding lots and struggling to score. 
<laughs> yeah, they've flipped the script. I was going to say, I was going to come back to the Nottingham Forest thing. I'm not sure if you remember the last time Fulham was promoted. I can't remember the exact year. It must have been 2017, 2018. Their owner did the exact same thing. He spent £200 million uh, on players as soon as they got promoted, and they just couldn't figure out a team. Like Andre Schirler was at Fulham. Um, they bought this guy called Jean-Michael Siri, who's still there, but um, he was touted as the next big uh, N'Golo Kante from France. Ah, oh, here we go. Um, yeah, well, look, you know, I don't work for ESPN, so unfortunately I'm only allowed to make good calls. Um, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, they went straight down again um, because they even in a normal Premier League season, they couldn't figure it out. Mm. So I worry for Nottingham. Yeah, it's a real shame, but uh, we'll just have a quick look at the table. It said Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle, Tottenham, top four. Uh, then you've got Manchester United with a game in hand, three points behind, but Tottenham with a superior goal difference. Uh, you got Liverpool there as well in six. Game in hand. Game in hand as well. I, If you were to pick your top four at the end of the season, it doesn't have to be in any order. Where are you going? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I think about this a lot. It keeps me up at night. Um, obviously, I think Arsenal and City are going to be there. Um, the thing about Newcastle is they don't have a huge amount of players going to the World Cup. And they don't have European football they when they come European back. They don't have European football. So I, I genuinely think they're going to they're gonna finish third, and, and if not, just bide their time to pounce in case, say, Arsenal has a slip-up and they pick up a number of injuries. And, of course, fourth place, I have to go with Liverpool. Um, simply because, look, it sounds like an excuse, but most of the squad has been injured this, se- uh, this, this first part of the season. I think Klopp said yesterday he's just looking forward to going back to the drawing board, get a reset, and getting, I think, up to nine players, nine senior players back from injury. So I think Liverpool, I hope Liverpool gets fourth. But it's going to be, I tell you what, it's going to be a crazy race for fourth. The Man United is right there. Um, I don't know about Tottenham, eh? Don't know Tottenham and Chelsea. I think it's going to be between United and Liverpool for that fourth spot. What about you? Well, I would agree. Tottenham's a bit hit and miss, I think. Man United, uh, until they get rid of these problems, which we'll touch Mm. on after the break, will um, not be there. Uh, If they get rid of them, they could push, but... Uh, it's going to be a very interesting time when they come back. But uh, before we do go to the break at uh, 25 minutes away from 11, uh, the bottom three is kind of where you have a bit of interest as well it's because you've got three clubs going down. Mm-hmm. I think Wolves will go down. I'd say Southampton ti- Southampton's time is probably up. I don't think uh, Nathan uh, Jones, I think it is, uh, his appointment will do enough to save them. Uh, and then it's kind of that last spot. And I really do hope Nottingham turn it around. Mm. Uh, and then I kind of think Everton, I don't know, it's really hard because I'm kind of looking at these clubs and the kind of the, it's kind of like your eyes are scanning up and down and you kind of got the radar and it's like you're getting... <laughs> and it, my, my eyes, do you know what club my eyes keep going to when I look at the table? Ooh, can I guess? Yeah. Uh, Leeds United. Uh, no, but they would be my second. I was going to say Bournemouth. Oh, yeah. I'm just... I'm not excited about Bournemouth. No, nah, I think they've got the... the probably conceding nine goals didn't help, but I think they've got the worst um, defensive record. But at least they're scoring a few. Mm. But I just... Yeah, I just... I don't know. I just don't think it's... I think Bournemouth will probably slip down there. I'm just not fully sold. 
probably a good call. I, I, I think I tend to agree. I don't want Nottingham to go down. Um, I think you're right that it is Nottingham can pull it back. It's just a question of who. I don't want Leeds to go down either. I quite like Jesse Marsh. He's so positive about the way he coaches his team. I'm not sure I agree with his tactics, which is all out attack. Uh, it's it, you kind of like taking the previous manager they got rid of and replacing them with essentially the same thing. Uh, we'll score more goals than you. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, well, I'm not big Leeds fan because the rivals to Bradford. Mm. But uh, what do the words betrayal, <laughs> Piers Morgan, Eric Ten Hag, Cristiano Ronaldo all have in common? Uh, big headlines because uh, one man is throwing his toys out the cot. Pretty much uh, is the best way to sum it up. And we'll tell you a bit more about that after the break here on Extra Time. We are 23 minutes away from 11. It's going to be a bunch of Manchester United fans out there writing uh, their own version of the song saying, Hit the Road, Ronaldo. Don't you come back no more. Hit the road, Ronaldo. Don't you come back no more. That's my singing voice, by the way. I don't sing. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, don't sing. Don't exercise. What's going on, Ben? <sighs> it's called a quarter-life crisis, which I've been stuck in since COVID. Uh, but before the break, we said, uh, what does Piers Morgan, the word betrayed, Manchester United, Ronaldo, all these things have in common? Well, if you haven't heard... Uh, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, that is, has done a full-on interview with Piers Morgan, uh, and he's pretty much said that he is sick of being the black sheep. He's sick of kind of being thrown under the bus for everything that's kind of gone wrong at Manchester United. Uh, He also... uh, touched. He said people at the club are trying to force him out. He said there has been no... Uh, evolution at the club since Sir Alex Ferguson, which is kind of why Manchester United have struggled. Um, I think that's kind of obvious because that's why they've gone through so many managers. Just uh, for another, if you are listening to SENZ, you're picking us up on the old AM frequency. Uh, he's also said uh, the club has shown a lack of empathy when his young daughter was hospitalised, which is unfortunate. Uh, allegations, of course. Uh he had never heard of Ralph Rangnick when he was appointed because uh, you've got to remember when Ronaldo came to the club, his old teammate, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, was manager and he was forced out. Then Ralph came in and probably did worse and now they got Eric Ten Hag. Uh, and that's just an array, a small portion of uh, the issues that Ronaldo touched on. And let's just hear a snippet there. Remember, there's 90 minutes of this, which is going to be released over a couple of days, but this is just a snippet of what has been said. They're trying to force you out. Yes, not only the coach, but the other two or three guys there around the club. At uh, the senior executive level? Yes, that I felt betrayed. And uh, you think they're trying to get rid of you? Honestly, I shouldn't say that. I don't know, but listen, I, I don't care. I'm always, people should listen to the truth. Yes, I feel betrayed, and I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. I don't know what's going on, but since, since the, um, Sarah Alex Ferguson left, I saw not evolution in the club. The progress was zero. For example, we have an interesting point that how the club as Manchester United, after suck, um, 
Ole, mm. they buy, they bring sport directive Ralph Regnick, which is something that nobody understands. This guy is, is not even a coach. A bigger club like Manchester United bring sport directive surprise not only me but all the world. You know, nothing changed. Surprisingly, not only the pool, the jacuzzi, even the gym, even some points, the technology, the kitchen, the chefs, <laughs> which is I appreciate, lovely, lovely persons. They stop in a in a time which is is it surprised me a lot. I thought I will see different things, different. As I mentioned before, technology, infrastructure. But unfortunately, we see many things that I'm used to see when I was 20, 21, 23. So surprised me a lot. The reaction to this snippets of what to come has been incredible. Uh, just going on social media, people saying Ronaldo has down tools and throwing his toys out the pram. His behavior was the same under Ole, now Ralph. No one is buying it but you, Cristiano Ronaldo. People are saying that it's because Ronaldo is hes more worried about his own legacy as opposed to Manchester United's legacy. Uh, someone said this smacks of petulance. Uh, there's also people saying that Ronaldo deserves more respect um, and things like that. But from my perspective, I almost feel that this is, to me, this is going to hurt his legacy. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. Uh, I, I don't see him. I reckon if every player was down at uh, Manchester United, I don't think Eric Ten Hag would pick him. Uh, and one of the comments that Ronaldo did make was in terms of there's been no evolution at the club since Sir Alex Ferguson. I don't, Navi. I don't know if you. Well, you probably do remember, but uh, it kind of felt like when under Ralph and under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that uh, Ronaldo was kind of. Push it, it was like pushovers pretty much like they would bow down to Ronaldo and ever since Eric Ten Hag's been appointed I don't I don't think he's put up with his antics he hasn't put up with the brand he's like you're not bigger than this team and I kind of to me it kind of feels like uh, that that order that was kind of there under Sir Alex 10 years ago is starting to come back and that's because they've got a hard-nosed manager that is not going to put up with any BS like Eric Ten Hag. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, the best way I can describe it is it kind of felt like Man United post Sir Alex Ferguson had become like an old boys club. You know, they all the coaches were ex-players. They were all friends. They were friendly with Gary Neville in the media, friendly with Roy Keane in the media. Um, and Ronaldo was brought in to play a style of football that suited him under his old mate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Solskjaer I, can't, I can't say his name. It's too late. But um, what I was going to say is that I believe one of the last recommendations Ralph Ranick brought in or, or made as a consultant was you have to you have to change the status quo. You have to bring in a proper world class manager who isn't going to get bullied by his players, um, like Steve Nash has done <laughs> has experienced at the Brooklyn Nets. And talk about misfits. You talk about misfits. That was never going to work. But no, sorry. Ne- no, very enough topic. Had a bit. Yeah, we'll get into this another time. Um, yeah. So look, I just think that this. It, Ten Hag is exactly the type of manager that United have needed for the last 10 years yep. to instill that culture that you were talking about. It's disciplined. It's regimented. It's actually nice to watch at t- in times. They've still got a w- ways to go. But um, I think that they carry on with him. He's 
they're going to be a real force in a few years' time, particularly because he gives young players a chance. Like, look at this guy, Alejandro, this morning, scored the winning goal. Uh, he's been good the last few games. So, look, they're on the way up, and he's exactly what they needed. Ronaldo's on the way out. He should never have been signed. It was a commercial decision, in my opinion. You get your goal and assist merchants, who all they talk about is, yeah, but he scores 20 goals. Uh, look, if you're building a blue, if you're building a blueprint for the next twenty years for the for a legacy, you shouldn't be relying on a 36, 37 year old striker who just stands around the box. As great as he used to be, as great as he still is, he doesn't fit the blueprint for a successful club. So that's that's my take. As I started off this little segment, hit the road, Ronaldo. Don't you <laughs> want to come back no more? We'll wrap the show up after the break. Here, it is ten minutes away from eleven. Six minutes away from 11 o'clock here on SENZ's Extra Time and that will pretty much do us uh, for tonight. So thank you so much for tuning in and uh, listening to me talk about uh, whatever's been on my mind. So we've covered off the Black Ferns and hopefully New Zealand Rugby uh, will be able to continue the momentum that has been started. Uh, I think that's very crucial uh, for the development of the women's game. also touched on the All Blacks. Uh, I'd say scraping past Scotland uh, just reading a piece there by former Scotland captain John Barkley uh, said that one probably hurts more than their coming so close five years ago uh, when Stuart Hogg made that break and just ran out of space because Bowden Barrett got on the way uh, and also just a bit of rugby league as well a lot of football chat and of course at the Oki on SCNZ uh, Navit thank you very much for uh, putting pushing the buttons and uh, podcasting, so it doesn't. So I don't have to do it. Thanks, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you tonight. Likewise, mate. And uh, Mark Watson will be back tomorrow night and Wednesday for extra time. Uh, coming up after the break will be Talk Sport. It has been a privilege and a pleasure uh, sitting in the big boy chair tonight, uh, talking all things sport with you here on Extra Time. Until next time, stay safe and. Uh, bring on Christmas I guess because that's only six weeks away and we all love this time of the year cheerio cheerio